and gentlemen, you are in for a treat as we talk about things that will make you think. When your parents said there's no monsters under your bed, that all things spooky are just in your head. Join us as we explore all things strange, the mysteries and tales that can't be explained. From UFOs, cryptids, ghouls, and goblins, men in black witches, Bigfoot, and dogmen, digging deep to find the truth. Some truths may be hard to believe, some might even leave you loopy, but the truth is solely what we seek, leaving you saying, talk about spooky. Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm your host, Akamu. And I'm your host, Matt. And thank you for tuning in to episode 2 of Talk About Spooky. Tonight we're going to be covering the Blair Witch, the movie, the legend, the lore, the panic and mayhem that struck the earth and stopped everything in its tracks. Yeah, so we're going to discuss everything from how the movie was created, uh, a couple of facts about the movie, a little bit of the urban legend and the lore, and a couple of weird things about the town itself. And then at the end, we will kind of each come up with our conclusion as to what we really think the story was about, whether we think it's true or if it's just another urban legend. Right. But before we get into the show, I would like to thank everybody who has supported us in the short amount of time that we have started this show. I mean, right now we are at 101 people on Facebook that now follow us just within a week span. And our hosting site is Anchor. And we have a 100% playthrough for our very first episode. The majority of people listen to us through Anchor and through Spotify. And we even have a following in the Philippines and Ireland, uh, which is super cool. And to be honest with you, I didn't think that that was going to happen within the first episode. And I just, it kind of blows my mind how how much support we've gotten, you know, so quickly. Yeah, it definitely was uh, quite unexpected, but very uh, appreciated. And I'm going to say this again, you know, if anybody has any stories or anything they want to share, feel free to reach out on um, on our email. Our email is uh, talkaboutspooky at yahoo.com. So it's the show name at yahoo.com. We actually had somebody, like the first day that we had our episode released, we had somebody send in a story of theirs, and I want to share it with you guys. It's pretty long, but uh, it's it's actually pretty cool. The person who shared it wishes to remain anonymous, so um, she told me that it was going to be a, a, a long message, so bear with me while I try to not butcher this. so what she says is there's a couple of parts I think they kind of relate to each other so when I was a teenager I was dating this guy I used to sleep over in the guest room of his house one night I had a dream that I was walking down the stairs and I tripped towards the bottom of the stairs and I looked to see what I tripped over and I see this black figure they didn't really have any features It looked like a silhouette with very long hair, and it gets up and starts throwing up all over the floor. Holy crap. His parents run over, and they're yelling at me, and then I woke up laying in the bed in the guest room. 
and I look to my left and I see the black figure from my dream standing next to the bed, looking down at me. I wasn't afraid at first, but then I realized I couldn't move. I got pins and needles all over my body, and the figure started reaching out one hand toward me. As it reached out, it blurred, and it either went behind me or into me, and I suddenly couldn't move again. I ran downstairs, and yeah. So, I had another episode of sleep paralysis about a year later, where I was laying in bed and I heard someone say, What use are you to us now? And then all these voices started screaming that question at me. It felt like I was in a tornado with these voices screaming all around me. Then, maybe two years after that, I found out that I was pregnant. I moved to West Virginia. It is a three-story building. The bottom floor used to have a bank, but is now a retail store. The other two floors were split up into several apartments. We lived on the top floor. I believe that the space we lived in is uh, used to be a meeting space for the Freemasons. The building was built around 1900, and there's a big mason symbol painted on one of the windows. To paint a picture, the apartment had a smaller kitchen, a smaller bedroom, and one very long room. It had very high ceilings, and there were raised platforms on both ends of the room. On one platform there was a piano, and on the other platform there was a little alcove with a window and a very short loft above it. Above it. The loft was maybe 3 to 4 feet from the ceiling and had a 6 to 12 inch railing that went around it and the ladder on the side. The loft ended in a utility alcove where the furnace was. You could actually get into the utility room from the loft if you climbed down. So when we first moved in weird things would happen like doors would open and close and things would fall off the shelves. We joked about it when people would come over and say it was just the house guest. So after we had the baby things got a little weirder. One night in particular, I woke up and went to the kitchen to get a bottle for the baby, and all the windows in the kitchen were standing open. The windows opened inward. It was winter, and I'm like, that's weird. I closed the windows and fed the baby and went back to sleep. Then we hear a big bang. We go to the kitchen, and the windows were open again. We closed them a second time, and they banged open again. We closed the door to the kitchen and put a towel under the door so there wouldn't be a bunch of cold air coming through and went to bed. I closed the windows in the morning and that was that. So a few weeks later I woke up with the baby and I'm sitting on the couch feeding him a bottle. I had the lights dimmed but I've always been weird about the dark so they weren't like super dimmed. I could still see everything in the room. All of a sudden I felt like someone was staring down at me. I felt very tense like the hair on the back of my neck stood on end. Don't ask me why, but I looked up into the loft and I see a black figure staring down at me. Same as before. I couldn't see any features, just a silhouette with very long hair. I kept my eyes on it and tried to convince myself that it was just in my head. Then it raised forward over the little railing to look at me for a very brief moment and slunk back so I could no longer see it. I flipped out. Let me tell you, I started screaming. I thought someone had broken to the apartment. So we moved out shortly after that. So there was another girl that lived in the same building in a different apartment. Her dad was our new landlord, so we hadn't spoken to them for about our experiences, but she was pregnant. She woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and walked by her living room and saw a black figure sitting on her couch. She screamed, woke up, got a boyfriend. She thought that someone had broken into the house, but she had described something that sounded exactly like what I saw. 
talk about spooky. <laughs> it's pretty cool. That's I have that's I have some cool. pictures that were sent of the building. I don't know if I'm going to post those or not, just because the person wished to remain anonymous. So I think I'm just going to leave it at that. But yeah, that's that's kind of um, a good. Um, it was a long story, but it's kind of a good description as to yeah yeah. Hopefully I did it justice, but oh, yeah, uh, they put they put they put names in there, so that's why it was messing me up. So I was trying not to say the names. Ah, I see. Yeah, um, but uh, that's basically kind of what we mean when we say if you guys have stories that you would want to tell, you know, whether just to be have your voice heard or maybe get some answers or whatever. I mean, that's a good example as to what we're kind of giving you guys a platform to share your your experiences with and all that stuff. So. If, if you want to, send us an email. You can send us an audio file or it can be text and we'll read it just like that at talkaboutspooky at yahoo.com. Or no, it's talkaboutspooky at gmail. Oh, we said Yahoo, didn't we? Well, you we did, did say Yahoo. It is, <laughs> it is Gmail. I keep thinking Yahoo because that's all of my email accounts. Same. But it's talkaboutspooky at gmail.com. Show name, gmail.com. And you can find our podcast on basically all major podcast streaming. There's Anchor, uh, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Spreaker and Podbean. Um, so, so plenty of choices. Plenty of choices. Um, but with that being said, we're just going to go ahead and get right into the show. All right. So for those of you who don't know about the Blair Witch movie, um, or what it's about. It's basically about uh, three students who are filming a documentary at a town called Blair, or a former town called Blair, um, now called Bur- Burkittsville, according to the movie. And uh, they go into the woods exploring this legend that they heard about this Blair witch, and they don't make it out alive. They just disappear. And uh, it kind of matches up with some of the legends about people who disappear in the woods and claim that this like witch is, you know, abducting people. Yeah, um, I think what it was was like two years later is when the footage was found. So they went in and I believe let me go back and look at my notes. I think it was like ninety four is when they went and then like ninety seven is when the footage was found in the movie. Right. Is that right? Or did I get well, I the dates know wrong? The exact- dates i forget like what what um anyways i think there was like a two-year gap or something like that to where they said that they went out into the woods they disappeared all of a sudden they found their footage and yeah i think there was like a search party and all this stuff and then yeah footage um it was all over the internet you know all these missing persons posters and then supposedly they released the footage uh for uh everyone to see on uh you know big screens near you yeah so the the, <laughs> the crazy part spoiler alert like not, you know what i mean like if, if you haven't seen this movie you should have but uh spoiler alert so it's actually but yeah. like the birth of found footage movies as well yeah it's it's literally the birth of pov pov horror films it literally broke records and when it was released the directors did a fantastic job to making people think that this was a hundred percent legitimate story, and I mean, they they 
put up a website and they were releasing these tapes and interviews with people claiming that this was real and so many people bought into it it went so far as to once the film was actually released the actors and actress played dead when you would go and search them up online it would show if you were to search up um any of them it would literally say missing or deceased and when they would do like uh, film shows they wouldn't come they literally broke the world (laughs) they literally broke the world like (laughs) in in modern terms they broke the internet i mean people i even know people close to me that say that movie affected them like crazy like like everybody was scared but totally different yeah, I mean, it, it really it really did, like, crazy things to people. And fun facts, like, what a lot of people don't know is that this movie was made on a budget of $60,000. And it made $1.1 1. 1 They sold it for $1.1 1. 1 It is. It, it says that it was made for approximately $20,000, and the film went on to earn over 248 million worldwide and i think it only took eight days to film too which is fine it did it did no no film will ever break that record for i really don't think so either for the gross honestly in my own opinion after this movie released and all these other found footage movies came out nobody could even come close to topping it uh, you may even say the horror industry started going down from that point because everybody's <laughs> apparently had such high expectations since this movie. So in comparison, you know, it's, it's all up to each person's opinion. But yeah. yeah, well, the director said that they their big influences were films like uh, The Exorcist and stuff like that. And they really wanted to make a movie that was so different they would they didn't so want realistic. to go down the whole cliche road you know and make just another generic horror film like if this movie was released today i don't think it would necessarily do as well but at the same time if this movie wasn't released when it was we wouldn't have the movies that we have today right you know like uh paranormal activity and stuff like that this movie literally mm-hmm. created this whole different like path for horror Drama. films yeah oh and like, uh, I I uh, I didn't know this until like the other day when I was doing research on it. They actually, what they did was they came up with the concept. They found three people uh, to play these characters. They actually played themselves. Yeah, I think same they were names. Actually, film students. <laughs> yeah, they were actually film students, and what they did was they just gave them a brief story of. This is what we're trying to do, but they gave them freedom to write the script. Basically, um, it they could do <laughs> exactly well. Well, it, the audio, or I mean, the dialogue. The dialogue was not written. Yeah, they they literally gave these people free roam, and what mm-hmm. they did was they they went to a national park just outside of Burkittsville. I think in Germantown. Yeah, it was around German. South or 20 minutes south. Yeah. And they just went deep into the woods. They did not leave for eight days. And what they did was, when they were out there, everything was natural. 
they would tell like they would tell like uh, one of the actors today I want you to have this kind of mood and they would tell like Heather right hey we want you to have this kind of mood so none of them knew what direction the other person was going in as far as like their demeanor and 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 all that stuff so everything came very natural on on film and people were in the woods at night scaring the living shit out of these people like they didn't know what they would play babies crying they would throw um sticks and rocks at like their tents and just run around the woods literally everything you saw was 100 percent real i mean obviously it was fake to an extent <laughs> but what they experienced was real mm. everything um and and it, it's just so crazy to me to find out that three people agreed to do that. I mean, it, it's it's crazy and it's mind blowing how that film was made. Yeah, very creative, honestly. It it really really is. And I love the their approach on this, you know, creative, uh, I guess, curveball when it comes to movie marketing. Like, you know, they they didn't go through TV; they went on the internet, just like you know you would find information on missing persons and stuff like that. And then like these little tidbits of like clips and stuff they would find were mm-hmm. actually technically teasers for the movie in a way, you know, kind yeah, of, but, or interviews, you know? Like, yeah. It's, but it's, people didn't know that that was the exactly. thing. Exactly. That's the perfect part. You got to advertise the movie while also not necessarily letting the person know they were advertising a movie. <laughs> yeah. They, they said that they didn't think the movie was going to go anywhere. They didn't. Yeah for a long time it it didn't you know but uh a lot of people talk about their experiences going into watching it at the movie theater and it being empty and all this stuff but literally it just it 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 blew up and they even said that if it wasn't for the website the film probably wouldn't have done as good as what it did because obviously at the end of the film it's said that it wasn't real you know Mm -hmm. but people still were like in denial they're like no this is 100 percent real even though we're telling you it's not and and all this stuff but like uh heather donahue what i read about her was she couldn't get another she did a couple of small things after but she couldn't get a really big role nobody wanted to hire her and i'm guessing it's because of how deep she went into the film and like how they played dead in real life. Like literally it It says scared them too much. It says that, uh, the actors were listed as missing or presumed dead on IMDB. Like, so I, I don't know if that put a bad taste. I don't know why it would, but (laughs) now she's like, a uh, like a weed grower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like she's done with, with filming. I can't honestly think of anything else i've seen from any of them but yeah i mean that, so, that, that could probably i don't know how imdb shows it now if they still show them dead or not but maybe they updated it well i don't think it does now it might i don't know yeah. i don't know you should, <laughs> if you're listening go look tell yeah, us check it out <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into the story of the movie mm-hmm. did you so, want to run with this um yeah i got you know i, I covered um 
it's it's pretty simple. So yeah, as I said at the beginning, you know, three students disappear in the woods, and uh, you know they're in the middle, middle of filming a documentary, and uh, supposedly, you know, the witch of the woods or the Blair Witch, as she's properly called, is the one you know kidnapping these people and murdering them. Uh, so in the movie, they have this legend of the witch that. Um, talks about these uh, disappearances and murders of the residents of a town called Blair, which is now called Burkittsville, according to the movie. Um, and apparently that legend takes place back in the 18th uh, century. And uh, it was about a woman who was accused of being a witch. Uh, apparently uh, children said that she would lure them to her house to try to draw blood from them and stuff like that. And um, she was, uh, how would you say it? Not necessarily exiled, but like, I guess you would say like she was, she was accused of witchcraft and then exiled to the woods. They had, uh, supposedly, I guess, tied her to a tree and it was like in December. So it was very cold and they just left her there. Um, exile by exposure, I think is how it's called or execution by ex exposure. One of those two. Um. But yeah, and uh, they go to check up on her. She's still alive, and all these kids are, you know, throwing rocks at her and, you know, um, basically bullying her and harming her, you know, just, I don't know, because she's a witch. That's what I guess people do to witches. <laughs> but uh, then they finally, you know, untie her, but then hang her on that tree to actually officially kill her. And supposedly since then, um, as the legend goes, you know, there was this massive drought and, um, um, their their kids started like wandering into the woods and just kind of disappearing and apparently there's this uh 10 year old girl by the name of eileen treacle i believe is how you pronounce her name um she apparently was at a creek called tappy east creek i'm not really sure if that's an actual creek or just according to the lore um in the movie but uh supposedly like 11 people i, I she wandered off to a creek and somehow 11 people witnessed her get pulled into the creek by like this hand and it was a shallow creek too, so it's not like somebody could have been under that. But I think that that is actually, which. I think that that's actually a true story. That yeah. one, I think, because that one's like kind of. So modern. that's where it gets really muddy because like they use bits and pieces of things, and it's so hard to decipher what was fabricated and what was actually. Listen, documented. people. Yeah, listen, people. So Doing this research, it's so hard to come across something that tells you whether it's fake or real. Um, you can search up these names and usually it'll tell you like, oh, this is fake. But everything that we're, everything that I found on my end is it's, it's not saying yes and it's not saying no. So yeah. please like do not, a... do not like think that we're feeding into this or, or if we're not, you know, don't, we don't know, we, you know, we're going to come to the conclusion at the this. end. But from what I found, I found information that is not true but at the same time i found information that i can't say that it's not true but i do right. think that that one that one that you're talking about with the hand coming up and pulling the girl down she disappeared no one ever found her and people witnessed it i want to say that that is a more recent story you, you know it's not it's it's not old it's not a part of like the legend or something this is something yeah. that's within our lifetime i i want to say yeah could be Listen. wrong Supposedly, after she died, that creek started filling up with, uh, like, like sticks and, like, some sort of oil or whatever, and basically contaminated the creek. And um, mm. Apparently, it remained that way for, like, 
as they say, 13 days. <laughs> and uh, they, they dubbed that as, you know, one of the, uh, they blamed on the witch, you know, that they, they exiled, you know. And, and that's why you don't treat people bad, you know. <laughs> they come back to haunt you now. But, um, and it did end there. That was the beginning of it all. Um, I'm not sure if you uh, had anything on your side with anybody else or if you want me to cover it all. <laughs> well, one one thing I wanted to bring up was I I remember this is something I looked at like a while ago. This is prior pro, way prior to this. I don't I and I tried to find it again but I couldn't find it. What I read was that the witch um when she was taken into the woods, she was tied to a tree and then she uh had rocks like heavy rocks, boulders, whatever you want to call it, you know, tied, like each one of her, her limbs had a boulder or something tied to it to stretch her, to hold her down while she was tied onto this tree. That could be, I, that could be fake. I don't know. But that's kind of like in the second movie, or not the second movie, the third movie. That's where you, when you see the witch, she's like really stretched her, she's like her legs and her arms are long. Maybe that is where that comes from. I could be wrong though, but that's not uncommon for that to happen to witches. I mean, they did, you know, things to people back then that were today you would think is completely weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, like just weird things because they didn't so understand it. <laughs> As far as the movie goes, I mean, I think you basically covered everything that's in the first film. Because I don't really want to necessarily get into the second and third part because those are clearly spinoffs of the original. Yeah. Well, honestly, I've never seen the second or third movie. And just to kind of throw, like, you know, a new thing in here. So, you know, I kind of uh, was aware of the Blair Witch movie and the legend. I hadn't done too much research at the time and I had never seen the movie, but I was curious. So I did a little bit of research, you know, this was a, a few years back, but I did a little bit of research and found the things that, you know, we're telling you now. And, um, I was like, you know what, I'm an adventurer. I like to seek out, you know, legends and paranormal stuff. So I figured I was going to go town to the town of, uh, Burkittsville try to find the original filming location, try to find these woods that supposedly are described in all these different stories. Um, you know, they got the woods, got the house, they got the creek, they got the original site. So, you know, with the descriptions of like who wandered where, how long it took them, um, you know, to go or to come back, you know, what direction they went, you know, stuff like that. What the, the, the terrain looked like, if it was like wooded or if it was, you know, a field, you know, I really looked at the geography and, you know, when I went there, I went into the woods itself to be like, you know, see for myself if I can come across any sort of evidence, you know, uh, ruins, a foundation, something, you know, because I, I never watched the movie and I didn't know too much about it. I just knew of it and like the legend, you know, so mm -hmm. I went in there completely blind. I knew there was a thing called Coffin Rock. Um, and I was like, OK, what is this, a rock that looks like a coffin? Like, you know, I'm just looking <laughs> for anything, you know, I'm like, maybe. You know, what does bloodstains look like on a rock after 200 years? Like, you know, that stuff's going to stain, you know, but I'm like, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but I'm looking for anything that stands out. And of course, you know, I'll go into that later, but I, I had a, a minor experience, I would say. It still confuses me now. 
I, w- one thing I will say, though, is that the town of Burkittsville, don't go there. Yeah. Th- th- it's a very small town, and the sign, nice movie, <laughs> the sign was stolen, like, shortly after the movie. You had a bunch of Several fan... Several times. Yeah, they had a bunch of uh, fan people come down and, and try to go look for the Blair Witch. I mean, it got so bad that the... I want to say the production company actually paid for, uh, like, a, a metal... Uh, sign to be yeah, put down like so a, nobody could take it yeah permanently mounted one with different colors so it yeah and i even heard that they took down anymore. they took down their sign because they didn't want people knowing where they where they work because it is a very very small town um yeah i've actually well, yeah like i said i've been there but like driving in you do see that street sign um it's kind of like the the green sign you know that all the other you know signs you see on the highway look like but that's i drive it. by it every monday and Wednesday. I'm actually gonna drive by it here in a couple days. So I drive by Burkittsville literally every Monday and Wednesday. That's cool. But uh, I've never gone like into town. I just see the sign that says Burkittsville this way. Yeah, but I've gone um, into town. I've walked around, but I never asked about the Player Witch because I had a feeling that <laughs> these were not, the, you know, the, those if, are not if those kind of people. Tiny town. Yeah. Of privacy blew up on the internet. And you had tons of people curious about it. I was sure lots of people had been bothering them about it. And I knew that, you know, with my research that they've constantly been denying the, you know, the historical facts and the movie, you know, um, lore and stuff like that. So I wasn't going to bring it up because I figured they're, you know, they're, they're tired of it. So I went there. I looked at like the monuments, the cemetery, you know, the Civil War history stuff. But then I also, you know, kind of went into the woods and was like, you know what, let's see what we find. But I didn't ask anybody anything because I wanted to kind of respect that, you know? Yeah, I know that, uh, well, for one, like we just talked about it, they filmed the movie outside of the town right. itself. They just used the graveyard and the... Uh, the sign and all that and yeah, some of the and interviews. They did, yeah, and some of the, the interviews, movie. the people were actually actors or actresses, but some of them were actually uh, locals. Um, you, you can't really tell which is which, but... Um, yeah, they, they really don't they, they, they don't claim to know anything about the Blair Witch. They say it's all fake, it's not real. But the interesting thing with it is, because we've done talked about the movie, because like I said, the second one and the third one, the second one is garbage. <laughs> the third one, eh, a lot of people say they don't like it. I have it on Blu-ray. I liked it. Add Blair it, Witch on Xbox. It's very, it's very, it's, the second one stems, like, way too far off from the original. The third brings it back home. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely a good uh, way to kill it off. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, what, what I think is funny is that these people in this town say, the Blair Witch isn't real. Well, Mm -hmm. the Blair Witch, Blair, never existed. Okay, so it's it's an urban legend, but all urban legends come from some truth. Some truth, yeah. Every story Blair comes from the witch. right. Every yeah. urban legend, every myth comes from some sort of truth. What that truth is, nobody knows. So, in this town, there are things that have happened, but it's almost like these residents don't want to admit that these things have coincidences they're just this is you know our this is our our history and and blah 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 but they don't want to acknowledge something something bad 
So I'm going to go ahead and talk about the, start going into the facts about the town itself um, from the very beginning. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll piece it off to where we could talk about each, each one. So the pieces of the mystery of the Blair Witch date as far back as the Revolutionary War between the United States and England. It's supposedly every 40 to 60 years some mystery resurfaces, some weird things happen. Says that the incidents all take place in and around a place called the Black Hills Forest in Maryland. The Black Hill Forest was actually infamous even prior to the settlement of the Europeans in the 1600s. I think it was feared by the Native Americans, right? It says no native tribal Indians dared to venture into the area. Yeah, I remember that. And then it says, in the 1630s, one colonial Blair of England asked a local tribesman to help them on an expedition to the area. The native's response was to attempt sabotage to the exhibition, or to the expedition. Exhibition, like they're going to fight it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's how legends start. Yeah. (laughs) Word of mouth. Despite this setback, though, Blair and his men settled a fort there and helped defend Lord Calvert's colony to the east against the hostile Indian tribes. This fort was named after Colonial Blair and became the ill-fated town of Blair, Maryland, in 1634. I don't think it was actually a town. It might have been a town. I don't. I. I, I really don't like know. Like said, a fort. Now it's a town. It's like what? Yeah, I don't I don't think it was like an actual establishment, but it says about 150 uh, years later in 1785, several children in the township of Blair, Maryland, had accused an Irish-born woman named mm-hmm. Ellie Kedward of witchcraft. She was convicted and banished to the woods in the middle of winter. Ellie Kedward, I can't find out if she's real or not. Mm-hmm. When you type in Ellie Kedward of 1785, this is what pops up. There's nothing that says she wasn't real or that she was real. You know, and, and back then, things weren't documented like that. It was all just talked about. You're not going to find a like a certificate or a piece of paper saying, we hung this witch, you know, at this time. And, and they didn't care. to. They just, they were so scared. They just... They immediately just, all it took was one person to say, she's a witch. And the whole town was in uproar and they were scared and they would, they would kill you, you know? So the likelihood of her being real, it's, it's a good possibility, but there's, there's nothing out there to say that she wasn't real, whether she was or wasn't. So it was assumed that she died from exposure. Like you had talked about the following year. In 1786, all of her accusers and half the town's children had vanished. Fearing a curse, the entire township fled as soon as the weather broke and had vowed never to utter the name Ellie Kedward again. For nearly 40 years, the town of Blair was quite literally a ghost town. During this period, in 1809, a handwritten book called The Blair Witch Cult was published. And right here I have a picture, and it says to the right of the picture, or to the right of this is the picture of the only known existing copy of the Blair Witch Cult. And supposedly it's on display at the Maryland Historical Society Museum in Baltimore, and it was put there in 1991. 
Um, and now it supposedly has since been returned to its private collection. So that's kind of a little sketchy because if it was put in a museum, why would it be taken out and put into a private collection? I don't understand that. Usually when well, things go into a museum. it could be at museum, the, you know, discretion or, what, or the request of the, you know, family themselves who are like, oh, this actually belongs to us and we don't want it in a museum. Maybe, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how things like that work, but that, I mean, that is a possibility. Yeah. Because I mean, if it if, if if it was without, well, I guess with or without their consent, but like if it was still technically theirs, but I'm not really sure how that works either. Yeah, because I always thought when things went into museums, they just kind of stayed, yeah. unless the museum was like needing money, they might auction it off. I don't I don't know to be honest with you, but it says in the 1820s, the abandoned property of Blair, Maryland, was brought to the attention of a man by the name of Burkett. He purchased the property from the government, renovated the abandoned buildings, and rechristened the town after himself. Burkittsville was founded in 1824 and still stands in Maryland today. A lot of people say that that's not true. A lot of people don't say that it was ever called Blair. It's always been Burkittsville. I didn't really look into, like... Um, I don't know if you have anything on your end. I didn't really look into like the battle, anything like Revolutionary War wise. I didn't look really into anything. I remember about that. Uh, reading something about the Revolutionary War, and there was a like um, railroad being built, and this was like coming across the discovering of uh, Burkittsville, I believe. Mm -hmm. But um, it was like this guy. He was on his horse, and uh, he was just kind of galloping around you know take, taking a look of at you know the scenery or whatever and uh he came across you know the former town of blair and was like i think it was actually before it was built but like supposedly he saw a good plot of land and he was like talking to his friend blair you know saying mm. hey we should survey this land you know and that's when they started bringing like german immigrants and everybody into the town and building from there and that's supposedly what started off as half the town was like named after this one guy as i don't know why they named half the town a post office but you know whatever the guy's name was i didn't write it down but uh, <laughs> and then the second half was you know blair but once his friend had passed away he took over the town and he decided just to overall name it blair Okay. Or Burkittsville, I could be wrong. Burkittsville, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get them mixed up. They're both bees. <laughs> so it yeah. says, just four years after the founding of Burkittsville, there was an incident involving a young child named Eileen Treacle. Treacle. This small That's child. Four years in? This is, this is just four years after the founding of Burkittsville. So this is when it became Burkittsville. And supposedly this, this event took place during the first annual wheat harvest picnic. So I guess it took them four years to have a wheat harvest picnic. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that, I don't know if that's in this or not. That's interesting, though. It yeah. says, this small child was waiting in a very shallow stream. Allegedly, before the eyes of at least a dozen eyewitnesses, a ghostly white hand reached up from underneath the water and pulled Eileen into it. But see, I remember hearing a story that was modern about this like she tripped maybe, and fell or something <laughs> no i mean it's maybe maybe this is what i was reading and i just got my 
thoughts and notes mixed up. <clears throat> but I could have sworn I heard that it was something recent, not like, you know, yesterday. Oh, but... yeah. No, no, this was like way back, like 1825. Yeah. Yeah, which was okay. actually uh, like, uh, I would say about well, 40 years after. It would be 1829. No, yeah, 28. Well, it was roughly 40, 45 years after supposedly Ellie Kedward was uh, exiled and murdered. <laughs> right. Yeah, it says the water was reportedly less than a foot deep and she was never found. For weeks afterwards, several wooden stick figures mysteriously appeared in the creek bed, mm. and the water itself became oily and contaminated for several months. In See, 1886, I said 13 days, but I guess that was just to add a little more spooky factor. <laughs> yeah, it says in 1886 um, they went and looked for her. Or, no, wait. A year later? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe it was December. <laughs> this is a different girl. Hold on. So it says in 1886, a small girl named Robin Weaver had gone lost. Oh, yes. Several days had gone by and her parents had become alarmed. A search party was organized to go out looking for her. While the search party was out looking, the little girl returned alone. This is the story I was talking about. Yeah. She claimed that she had been walking in the woods and met a woman who was not so much walking as floating inches off the ground. The woman, the woman took the girl by the hand and led her to a house in the woods where she left the girl in the basement, claiming she would return. The oh. little girl sat in the basement for a long time, awaiting the woman's return. But then she became scared and ran away. Eventually, she made her way back into town. However, after the little girl returned alone, the search party that had gone out for her had never returned. So a second search party went out to find them, and their search ended at Coffin Rock near the creek where Eileen Trakel had met her death less than 50 years before. Hmm. Yeah, and it says the second search party claimed that they found the first search party stripped of all of their clothes and belongings, and their bodies were tied to coffin rock. Their intestines had been removed, and their reproductive organs had been mu uh, mutilated. On their That's chest, nasty. hands, and feet, foreheads, strange cryptic symbols had been painstakingly carved into their skin. They rushed back into town for reinforcements, but upon return to coffin rock, the bodies had disappeared. There was evidence of blood and rope on the rock, but the smell of death hung in the air, but the bodies were never found. And that's why I was looking for blood when I was looking for coffin rock, because I'm like, dude, if somebody's, like, you know, internal organs were disemboweled, like, there's got to be a lot of staining on supposedly a large rock that an entire party was executed on. <laughs> I know where these things are. Yeah, see, when I went in, I hadn't even seen the movie. I, I, I haven't been pictures. there. <laughs> I just know that there was a, a, a documentary released of, uh, I guess, like uh, some fans of the the movie. And shortly after it was released, they did exactly like what you were talking about doing. They <laughs> they went out and kind of just mapped out where they went. and The movie came out in like 99 or something, right? This is totally bad. We're doing a freaking show about it. I don't even know what year it came out. <laughs> I think it was 98. Could be 99. Oh, come on. Film Google. was released 30th July, 1999. Okay. Ha! <clears throat> <laughs> but yeah, and I didn't go into the wood. I didn't even like, you know, look into the whole Blair Witch thing until I want to say 2017. 
(laughs) I saw the movie when it came out. Yeah, I didn't even... I I don't know. I was broke or something. I was like 10. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It didn't scare me when I was a kid. It didn't. Don't know why. It scared a lot of other people, but I mean... It It didn't really scare me, but I was already like... Yeah. In my 20s. But obviously I was a kid, didn't really have like access to the internet, so I didn't... I just knew of the movie. You know, I didn't see the build-up. I didn't know anything about the build-up. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that until recent. (laughs) Yeah. So... This is where it starts getting closer, um, closer to now time. So, in 1940, is that? Let's see. Let's do the math. In 1940, see, 1940, I believe you're about to talk about Rustin Parr, right? I I am, but I'm just trying oh, sorry, to see if. <laughs> no, no, no. I am. I'm just trying to see if the date is. Would it be 50 years? 1886. 60 years would be 2000. So 20 more if you're looking at 80 years ago. So uh, 19- you're talking about from the events Ni- of this little girl. From 1940, when the, what we're getting ready to talk about from uh-huh. the last time, which was 1886. Right. So that about six, almost 60 years, like 55, 54 years. Okay. So this is this is still within the lore. Yeah. This is still within the supposed 50 to 60 years. So in 1940, children began disappearing from the Burkittsville area. The police were stumped. For there were no dependable witnesses or leads. You want to go ahead and talk about Rustin Parr? Alright. Well, um, so, I guess I won't jump the gun here, but I'll just talk about, you know, kind of Rustin Parr before everything went south for him. <laughs> so, supposedly, um, he lived on a mountain near Burkittsville, um, and he was very much like, um... Hermit. Yeah, I guess a hermit is a good term for that. <laughs> uh, he didn't, he didn't really, like, socialize with people, he just liked his privacy, probably why he lived in the woods um which is where the mountains are by the way and i believe this is the woods that are talked about when it comes to kids disappearing yeah it says um, that he lived in the black hills woods right so um he would only come into town like once or twice a year for like necessities but other than that he just liked being by himself with like nature and everything and I guess after a while, you you know, being by yourself, you, I don't know, I'm just assuming maybe he just started, like, hallucinating or something. But supposedly on one of his walks, he uh, started seeing this, like, figure that would, like, kind of stalk him in a way. And it was, like, this this woman you couldn't really make distinctive features out of, but it was just, like, this woman in a black ho- uh, cloak and, like, long, stringy hair. Um and she, she didn't seem like a threat at first, but after a while, she kind of started getting a little closer, and eventually he started hearing her speak to him. And um, trying to do, remember, like, at, I think it was, um, I, I can't remember where he was. I think he was in his house, but this woman started kind of telling him to do horrible things. Um I think it was like in his dreams and stuff. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, he would. It was in his dreams. She would tell him she wanted him to bring her some kids. Yeah, and I think what I think what triggered it honestly is so so it started off with noises. You know, it kept him up at night and really scared him to the point where he couldn't sleep. And I guess he was dubbed an insomniac by that point because of how long he wasn't able to go. For you know, for sleep. So he actually started hearing voices at that point, whether it was literal voices or just in his head, either way, it, the results the same. Yeah. It said that he would, he at first heard it in his dreams or whatever. And 
he said it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But then it started, he started to hear it when he was awake. And then that's when it became yeah. a problem. Yeah. But there's also, like, a, I would say, like, a big thing about him that I have right here. It says that he was, he, he had been brought up by an abusive father. And, and it said that that's why he decided he wanted to live alone in solitude. I think Black what Hills it started Woods. off with was I think he moved in with his uncle, but then his uncle ended up being abusive as well. Um, and I think that's when he moved out to the woods because I think his uncle and his aunt lived in the town and that's why he would come visit. But then after they died, he just stopped coming in as often. Actually, no, that's when he started coming in once or twice a year. So he, he would come in, you know, kind of regularly and was like a normal human being. But yeah, he I mean, had kind of a stopped. rough up- upbringing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, one day, Rustin Park came into town. Yeah, I think it was November 1940. And he said, I am finally finished. Oh, but uh, if we want to wrap up where, you know, what led up to that, what he's finished for. um, Or do you want to get to the case first? I feel like it's more important to say, like, when he comes into town and and then he says, because as far as... Yeah, as far as anybody okay. knows, Rustin Parr's just been in the woods. Yeah. And he comes into town and he says, I'm finally finished. And when people asked him what he was referring to, he would only repeat himself. Yeah. And the local authorities asked him to show them what he meant. And he brought them back to an old shack where he lived in the woods. Mm-hmm. And that's and, when... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was about to jump a gun, but I remember where we're going with this. So <laughs> yeah. And then it says that in the basement they found several horrible acts of torture and homicide mm-hmm. and it says outside the shack they found um a small distance away they found se- uh, seven graves marked with piles of stones I when the graves were dug up the children's bodies were recovered their bodies had been treated in much the same way as the accounts of the victims at coffin rock the mm-hmm. symbols had been cut into their faces chest hands and feet and they had been disemboweled keep in mind Rustin Parr was illiterate. He could not read, mm-hmm. could not write. They also discovered an eighth He also mythi- didn't even know the names of the children. He just no, he didn't. random children. <laughs> he didn't. And the reason why, well, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Because there was an eighth missing child, Kyle Brody, mm-hmm. who was traumatized and found standing in the corner of Kyle's, or of um, Rustin Parr's ba- basement. Rustin Parr's basement. And it was Kyle's testimony in court that helped convict Rustin Parr of murdering the seven children. But regardless of that, the court had already made up their mind before bringing Rustin Parr. They knew what they were going to do. Kyle's testimony just helped. But Rustin Parr, it was reported that he admitted to the murders. He said that the voice of the old woman told him to do these horrible deeds that after the seven deaths of the old woman's voice, he wouldn't hear it anymore. If he killed these kids, she would leave him alone. Mm-hmm. And what's odd is that Rustin Parr lived in these woods for a very long time. And didn't hit him until fucking, you know, yeah, 20 it years didn't, into where I however long that was. <laughs> right. And what's strange about that is it goes with the every 50 to 60 years. Yep. So it's odd that Rustin Parr, even though he's a hermit, there's nothing wrong with that. He just and might want to be alone. he wouldn't know about alone. this kind of stuff either. Right. You know? and he doesn't really socialize. 
there's no right you know he's illiterate and can't read or write Mm -hmm. so he's just out in the woods just living on his own and they did exactly what had happened six years ago you're right to the t right and so he was sentenced to death by hanging and his house was burned to the ground i believe that was all november 22nd 1941 so very Mm -hmm. quickly (laughs) yeah he was hung almost basically you could say it was like immediately he was hung they brought him and they had already determined that that's what they were going to do but um a lot of people think that the the eighth missing child kyle brody was he was involved in the murder but a lot of people say that a child couldn't have been involved in the murders because of the violent acts that were done a lot of people said that it was against kyle brody's character that um, he physically wouldn't have been able to do it either or stomach it. But there's some very interesting things to come to light uh, upon you know closer examination of Kyle Brody's life. Mm-hmm. None of the seven children knew each other except for Kyle Brody. He knew all of them. As Kyle Brody grew up, he mm-hmm. had a history of criminal behavior. He was committed to MSICI, the Maryland State Institute for the Criminally Insane in Baltimore, where he spent basically the majority of his life life. during the 1950s and 1960s. In 1969, a film documentary called White Enamel was made. It depicted the conditions in uh, several mental institutions, notably um, Maryland state institution of the criminally insane where kyle brody was and in the film there's footage of kyle in his cell chanting a phrase never given the same phrase rustin parr had been heard screaming the night before his execution what i think is is cool about that okay is it's written out in quotations as never given never given i don't think it was never given i think it was never give in Oh, I like never that. Never give in. Like he did. It just makes more sense to me for it to be never give in. Yeah. Than never given, but I but I could I could be wrong. I don't I don't know. But never 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 thought just, about that way. It just makes more sense to me to to say it like that. But it says in other footage, um, it shows Kyle Brody writing on a large art pad, and as the camera got closer, it became apparent that what he was writing is. Do you want to say it? Uh, you say it. Uh, you're on a roll. Transistent, transistus, <laughs> transistus, fluvia. Transistus fluvia. That's a witchcraft language. It's very old. A witchcraft language. Very few people know about this language. How do you spell it? T-R-A-N-S-I-T-U-S-F-L-U- V-I-I. Transistus, Transistus fluvi. fluvi. Or passage du flu, uh, fluve. is an occult alphabet consisting of 22 characters described by Henrik Cornelius Ogripa in his third book of occult philosophy. Yeah, it says that the footage was examined by an expert who determined that it was indeed... Tra- I'm, this is such a hard word to say. Transistus fluvia... Transistus fluvia is a rare language, yet Kyle was seen writing it correctly. 
This is where it gets weird. You write it from right to left, not your typical left to right. So he's writing this language from right to left. Mm-hmm. Go back to when the bodies were found of these kids. Supposedly, they had symbols that had been cut into their faces, chest, hands, and feet. The symbols were trans... What is it again? I have to see the word to be able to spell, say it. Transistus fluvia. So what's funny is that when you go back to that, the fact that Kyle Brody was fluent and writing it correctly and Rustin Parr was illiterate. Mm-hmm. How was Rustin Parr able to do that to those kids then? Doesn't make any sense. And why would it be that there was eight children and one was still you know, alive, that all of them weren't sacrificed before Rustin Parr comes into town and says what he said. Dude, this kind of... I was going to say, this, this script was written around, like, 1510. Like, Jesus, that's, like, 400 years prior. <laughs> Nobody writes and, like and, that. And so, I mean, that's kind of... It's, it's kind of weird. A lot of people don't... A lot of people don't want to believe that Kyle Brody could do that. Mm-hmm. Because he was so young, but at the same time, Rustin Parr could not read, could not write, and a lot of people think that Rustin Parr was there, but Rustin Parr was influenced, and Kyle Brody brought these kids to him, mm-hmm. and Kyle Brody is the one who made uh, Rustin Parr. Like get these kids, but Kyle Brody or Kyle Brody is the one who did these things to these kids. He was so much. He was very so much involved as yeah, as Rustin Parr. If you think about it, it would be easier to kidnap seven kids if another child was luring them, rather than it would. a full grown adult that nobody's ever really seen. Right, who know? barely comes into town. Yeah, That's and a lot of people kid. say that. Oh, you can just go into the woods and the witch will get you. But with the legend, it's it says the that too, what? <laughs> the witch has already got you picked out. You know, she she knows who she wants and she gets them there. You don't have to go into the woods for the witch to to get you or to do her bidding or whatever. And that's kind of, I mean, it goes. They use. I mean, the way I the way I'm kind of looking at it is is she used rust and par as the strength but really influenced kyle brody to really do the bidding and yeah. rustin parr was just kind of the mule maybe you know i mean being a child he was very impressionable and also kind of like you know if you threaten a child they're probably gonna you know do things to i don't know like if you scare them enough maybe you know and i guess it messed them up and that's where he started losing his mind yeah so, you know, he may not even had to be really possessed or anything. Maybe Rustin Parr was, and Rustin Parr convinced Kyle to bring these children in, or he was going to do something to his family or something, you know? Well, I mean, when you go back to the film, all three of the actors were, they were all possessed. Which actually, I think, came out about 50, 60 years after this happened, too, after he died. <laughs> after, after who Rustin died? Rustin Parr. Yeah. Yeah, because it was 1941, well, and the movie came out in 1999. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it says in 1999, a film called The Blair Witch Project was released. Although the film is a work of fiction, 
Uh-huh. It was written around well-documented historic incidences, which had been covered here on this website. Which, by the way, my source is from Late Night Radio, BlairWitchFactsTripod.com. I have a lot of sources. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. So you have the movie, and then you have... The legend. The legend. And this is the legend. Now, whether the legend is true or not, that's really up to debate, because it's neither here nor there. You can't find the facts, and you can't find something to disprove it. Um, now, there's one thing that did interest me when I was doing some research three years ago. Um, so apparently this book of the town Blair is like a family I don't know if heirloom is the word for it but um, it might be but um, supposedly they have their hands on it I don't know I, I can't remember if it was the museum that had it first and they took it back or if this was are you talking about are you talking about the Blair Witch Cult book no well no are you sure no. I'm talking about like because remember I said something about the, the Blair Witch events. Cult and it says that it was in the historical Museum yeah. in, in no, Baltimore. No, I'm talking about it... a, like, uh, at a certain time, um, back in the day, people started keeping records of their family and their events right. and things that happened and how people, like, came in and, you know, births and deaths and stuff. So, like, apparently, Town of Blair, when all this stuff was happening, people were, you know, this family would write down, you know, what was the events that would happen, you know, that would affect their family or, you know, the, the people around them, stuff like that. And it may hold the answers to whether these things are authentic, accurate, if, you know, anything. And right. apparently they were asked, you know, hey, you know, is it okay if we see the book and maybe try to, you know, clear your name kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And they refused to let that book be seen by anybody, which gets me to be like, well, I mean, if you got nothing to hide, <laughs> you right. know? But it really leads it to the mystery still, which is still pretty cool. But yeah, because I mean, if you if you think about like back then, you know, even Revolutionary War, Civil War times, there was people that were on. The, yeah, there was people on battle who that was strictly their job was to log everything and mm-hmm. and give a depiction of of what what happened and and even the soldiers or you know people in that area would write down you know in their diary or journal or whatever you know, but that's somebody's interpretation so you don't really know you know that's just basically their interpretation yeah so what if what if what if a small town very small town very low population of people don't really want to be disturbed what if they don't want people to know what if they don't want to be known for that you know what if they don't want to acknowledge (laughs) it you know um so it's 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 a very good possibility that this is true because you a lot of people might say oh well this is hogwash you know this is just a movie hogwash <laughs> which I know I'm old right yeah <laughs> Wh- I'm like who says that <laughs> witches were real um not not in the sense of like oh witches are real but I'm just saying <laughs> back back then people were the idea you know, of that type of witch was very real. Like yeah, the, it was the at, literal sense of, you know, flying on broomsticks and such. <laughs> yes, it it was very people back then were frightened of people like that. And all it, this this story has so much potential to be real. Granted, it might be. 
it might be, but it might not be. But who knows? I mean, personally, you've heard me talk about this. I want to go up there. I can take you. You know, (laughs) I want to go. But I'm also very hesitant because I'm gonna throw a little. I'm gonna throw a little story in. Mm-hmm. So, my dad he has a uh, water behind his house, right? Uh, so we, we would go out there and we would go fishing, and basically the whole summer. And there's there's woods behind us. Well, there was. Now there's houses, but there's woods on the other side of this lake, and you could go through the woods. Basically, the way that it's set up is you have the lake here. You've got a field um, that separates the lake from the woods. So you would go across the field. There's the woods. You'd go through the woods, and you would end up at another lake, smaller lake. So didn't really go into the woods that much because there really was no point of going in there. There, I mean, there wasn't anything in there. So one day we decided we're going to go check out the other lake. And... uh like I said, we didn't go over there often because that lake was smaller. So we had the bigger lake. Why go over there? So, and plus it was private property. So we go over there. We cross through the woods. I've done it multiple times, you know, at this point. One day, it was me and two friends. We go to that lake. And when we are on our way back, we get lost. <laughs> Sorry. Just There's not that much woods. I mean, it's a straight path. Once you leave this lake... You just go straight, and you end up at the other lake. We were going straight. We were 100% going straight. <laughs> and we got lost, and we just had to keep walking. Thankfully, the woods were not that you know big, so we did end up out in the field. But we ended up, when, when we just kept going, we ended up in an area that we were all like, what the hell, like, how did we get here? I so a similar story. <laughs> in, in, in the movie... It says that they were only like a couple miles off the road, like near their car. So this whole time, this whole eight-day experience that they had, they were right there. But they kept going around in circles. Yeah, they kept going around in circles. Because that's how easily you can be manipulated in the woods. I mean, I'm not talking about survival experts. I'm not talking about Les Stroud. I'm talking about your average, you know, Joe Blow going into the woods you think you can get, you think you can track yourself. You think you can, you know, remember. You can't. Go in the woods. Go in the middle of the woods and, and do a 360 and just keep spinning around, spinning around, then open your eyes and then tell me which way you go. Cause I mean, one I'm, thing that could uh, possibly maybe influence uh, confusion like that is odd EMF fields, like, in the middle of the woods. But you're familiar with these woods, so it'd be kind of weird to have random EMF fields, like, kind of throwing you off. I mean, it's just... It's just straight. Just go straight. That's all we had to do. And and we ended up just... We kept getting into the woods even thicker and thicker and thicker to really paint the picture where we went in at and went to the other lake and we come back through. We went back through, like, the same area that we came into. Uh We ended up about... I'd say half of a mile to the right when we ended up coming out. I'm I'm telling you, like it's it kind of scared me because I'm like, <laughs> at that moment there, I was kind of like, I don't know if I should just go exploring in like random woods because this was small and right here at my house and how 
you know? So I want to go up there, but man, at the same time, (laughs) I'm just not necessarily so scared of the legend Mm -hmm. as I am of getting lost. Yeah. You know? Because I would want to do it. (laughs) I I should do it during the day, (laughs) but I would want to do it at night. Yeah, I normally try to do things during the day, and then I do them at night. But, um, you know, kind of get a better footing. But, uh, yeah, I got I got a similar story to yours, and then I got a story about what I was talking about earlier about going into the woods <laughs> at uh, Black Hills Forest. But, um, yeah, so the first story, and I'm touched lightly on this because this is a totally different paranormal subject, but uh, it's a road. It has a lot of background and history and details that I won't get into in this episode. But, um I'm unfamiliar with the road. This is my first time going down it. Things are supposed to happen. So it's like really late at night. It's very wooded and the road like has all kinds of turns on it. And I'm all alone. I'm going down this road and it takes forever to go through. And then you reach like one of the infamous legends at this like creepy ass bridge that you have to go under. I and know so what you're I'm talking really about. Nervous. Yeah. I'm really nervous though. <laughs> I even did it live. I'm like, Ooh. Uh, but, um, I was lucky I you didn't through. get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> I, I went through and you know came out the other side and I was like okay well nothing happened and that was kind of anticlimactic so I you know make a left turn I'm heading back you know towards where well towards the like direction I was supposed to be going to start heading back home and um, I see the street name for the street that I could have sworn I was just on and I was like wait I know in DC how some like streets kind of break off. So like you have you're following straight up, but then you have to turn left and then turn right again, and you continue on the street. So, so I was like, stupid. Yeah. So I was like, what the hell? Okay, maybe I just didn't go up far enough. Maybe this is the extended part of the street, and maybe there's another bridge or something. You know, maybe something will happen this time. So I go down it, and it's the exact same freaking road. And I'm like, See? what? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm stuck in a loop. And I'm like, am I ever going to get out of here? Like, this is scary enough the first time. I wouldn't want to go down the second time, but here I am. And I finally come out the other side. I'm like, you know what? I need to look at my freaking Google Maps because this is freaking me out. I want to make sure I don't go down it a third time, you know, because third time is a charm. And I look at my Google Maps, and even though the the road made left turns and right turns, it was ultimately a horseshoe, and I didn't know this. I couldn't tell. So... I went up and I came back down, you know, a street over or a couple streets over. And when I made that left turn, I started heading back towards the original entrance that I entered. <laughs> so that's how I ended up in an accidental loop. I thought I went straight, but it, there was really a curve to it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so it easy. Out. So, uh, yeah, quick story about Black Hills Forest. So, uh, you know, you say you're, you're nervous about going to... Uh, Burkittsville. Um, I was definitely nervous because, you know, I'm a witch. <laughs> Going to Burkittsville. <laughs> I don't want to die. No, I'm scared. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I am, you know, pretty nervous. I got like churches there and stuff. Actually, one guy very kindly invited me to like some like song thing that they were having, like some get together, they were going to sing stuff or whatever. It wasn't necessarily like a normal church service, but. No, I just kindly declined. You know, I was like, I'm actually in the middle of doing something. I wasn't going to tell him I was filming for anything, you know, just right. kind of exploring, you know. But, um, you know, they're nice. You know, you just kind of blend in a little bit, even though they know you're not from there. But um, you don't ask about the Blair Witch, you know. You just kind of 
pass through. But uh, yeah, so I end up at the woods. I check the time. It's like 7.15. I check on Yahoo when the sun's supposed to, supposed to set. It's like 7.45. I'm like, man, I should have done this earlier. Okay, so I'll walk in for 15 minutes and then I'll walk out for 15 minutes. So I don't get caught in the dark in the woods, you know? So I go in and, um, you know, I'm, I'm walking uh, this path and um, so I, I have another person with me. She's part of my team for Paranormal Coven, but um, we're, you know, exploring this and she's filming and um, <laughs> off to the left, I don't know what I'm looking for, remember? So off to the left into the trees i see kind of like a plateau and against the plateau where the light is kind of setting like it comes in to kind of you know from the side um but yeah and it kind of shines on the side of this like wooden structure it was kind of like a i wouldn't say a house per se it was like the size of like a shack you know and it right. looked like there wasn't a wall in the front it was just completely open so basically it was a uh, your typical, you know, triangle looking roof and your two sides on the left and the right. And it was up against the the plateau for that wall in the back. And I, I couldn't so, really tell. So wait, you're in the woods. Yes. How far in would you say? I would say I was probably about 10, somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes in. Like I was just, I, I walked in, I turned okay, right. Okay. Okay. And I just walked it. Uh, there was okay. like a path, but, um, I also stopped to check out some rocks because I'm like, well, these protrude up the side of the, you know, the mountain here. Like they kind of look like coffins. <laughs> Didn't find any clues there. So I'm like, okay, moving on. But yeah, so after that, I'm looking it doesn't to look rocks. like a coffin. <laughs> I know. I'm like, why would they call it coffin rock? I haven't seen the movie. I don't know what I'm looking for. So I'm not influenced here. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so I'm looking off to the side and, um, so there's uh, like a plateau there and, um, you know, I see this wooden shack looking thing and, uh, you know, it's in the trees and it kind of blends in because the, the sunlight creating everything yellow and you got the dirt behind it from the plateau and you also got the trees and the branches, but I can see the deliberate like wooden like planks on the side. They're kind of round, you know, they're almost like logs in a way and they're vertical. I can give you details for days, but, um, I was like, okay, well, let's go check that out. See if it's anything that might hint to these legends but um yeah so i go up a little further just so i can you know try to find a clearing where there's no bushes and i can kind of walk off the trail into the woods towards this direction <laughs> and um let's see so i'm being filmed from behind me you know and uh we're walking in and i have a really good like bird's eye view map in my head when, when it comes to directions in general so i'm like okay i walked about this far so i'm gonna have to walk in this far so i followed this plateau out to a clearing right where it should have been and there was nothing there and i'm like freaking out like not like tripping but like you know I, I, internally you know i'm like it's very confused i am just yeah. you know what and um so i'm the only one that really walked in she, you know the the film, the film, the cameraman didn't really walk in very far. And um, I'm walking back out and she's still filming me. She's back on the, uh, the trail again. And uh, I'm like, let me see the footage because I need to know exactly where we were 
just to make sure I didn't forget or like, you know, miss, you know, understand something. And so I go look at the footage. Keep in mind, this is still just one clip of footage. Okay. Right. We're looking at the footage and we're walking and then you see me turn and I point to something. I'm going to try to get this footage. It's saved somewhere on my hard drive and that way I can post it, you know, this moment. But um, I turn and I point at something and I, tr- I think I turn towards the camera and all of a sudden it just goes black. Like hmm. it, it goes black, like it blinks. And the next thing I see is me walking towards the camera, coming out of the woods back onto the trail. And I got this like pale, confused, like what the fuck happened kind of face because right. I was, I was confused. I'm like, it was literally just there. <laughs> so that was, you know, my experience. <laughs> I don't That's know bizarre. what it means or what it was, or if it was honestly just an honest mistake, but the footage didn't record when we got off the trail, but Hmm. it recorded again and continued in a way when we got back on the trail. That's weird. It's freaking weird. (laughs) So I'm like, what? (laughs) Before we come to our conclusions, I just want to throw Uh this out. It's not, has, doesn't have anything to do with the Blair witch or anything but it has to do with the town of Burkittsville. So Burkittsville is also known for uh, supposedly uh, where the battle took place. There is a road that you can park at, put your car in neutral, and your car gets pushed up the hill. I've actually been there. And, it, and, it's, and it's said to be uh, the soldiers, you know, pushing their supplies or, or whatever up the hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's another thing about that place. Uh don't mean to like be like a Debbie Downer, but it's not real. It's it's just a, a illusion thing. Yeah, it's an illusion. But uh, there's also one very cool thing. It's a cryptid creature that is known in Burkittsville that you don't really hear a lot about. So it's a winged beast known as the Snallygaster, and oh, it is I've said. To, yeah, it is said to have terrified the people in Frederick County, Maryland. It's like a dragon kind of beast. It's described being like a half reptile, half bird that lives deep in the caves uh, of South Montana or South I, Montana, South Mountain. I don't know why I said Mount Montana. I could be wrong, but I swear this name has been mentioned on How to Train Your Dragon when he's going through the book. Uh, the list it might, of it might be, it might be. I swear it's in there. I swear. So it, 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 I think it is too because it's been put in um, some movies. I know it's been put in Fantastic Beasts. Uh, yeah. So it's it's said that. Um, it is. It swoops down silently from the skies, and it was stealing farm animals and children from unexpecting farm folk. Some say it's real. So there was an area settled by German immigrants uh, at the beginning of 1730s, who called a creature, uh, who called the creature uh, Snally Geist. Geist. Since I'm not even going to try to say that yeah. German. Schnaller. I'm not even going to do Just that. Just say it really anger like. Like, very <laughs> No, I'm not even going <laughs> to. So what it stands for is quick spirit in German. The The earliest folklore mixes uh, the half bird uh, features with like a nightmarish feature of a, a demon or a ghoul. Um, but like I said, other people depict it as half reptile, half bird with like a metal like uh, beak. If you look up pictures of this thing, I should, I, I'll post it in the, on the Facebook page, but um, it's, it's weird looking. But uh, so in February of 1909, yeah, so it says, For years, the Snallygaster lived only 
on the pages of folklore until 1909 when the stories of the beast began to appear in newspapers. Encounters between local residents and, uh, and the winged creature in February and March of 1909 described as it having enormous wings, a long pointed bill, claws like steel hooks, and an eye in the center of its forehead. Further, it was said to have make, uh, made uh, screeches like a locomotive whistle. Uh, it claimed that a man had been seized by the winged creature which proceeded to sink its teeth into his jugular and drain the blood from the body before dropping it along the hillside. Chupacabra. The story was... Uh, yeah. Chupacabra. The story was carried predominant, or predominant... I cannot talk right now. Prominently in Middletown, Maryland's Valley Register, and soon spread far wide... Uh, so much that the, blow your mind, the Smithsonian Institute offered a reward for the hide. And U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt reportedly considered postponing an international trip to personally hunt the beast. So it says in early issues, the flying beast seemed to be everywhere at once. In New Jersey, uh, it was reported that its footprints were discovered in the snow. In West Virginia, it was said uh, the beast was flying and almost caught a woman uh, near Scrabble was found roosting in a farmer's barn and laid an egg the size of a barrel near Sharpsburg. I'm so familiar with all of these areas. Yeah, same. A man in Castown, Ohio, wrote a letter to the Valley Register telling a strange creature that flew over his area making terrible screeching noises. Uh, he described it with two large wings, a large horny head, and a tail 20 <laughs> feet long. You giggled. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but... um. You know, it's it it didn't last very long. Like when people said they saw it, it kind of died very quickly. Um, but like I don't know, it's kind of weird because it says that there are people still in that area that paint a seven sided star on their barn or on their property because they believe that it wards off this cryptid, this creepy one eyed purple people eating looking monster it looks really weird the pe the picture that i'm looking at it's like it's got like a demigorgon from stranger things mouth and a big body that's like looks like a hairless cat and tiny tiny like wings on its back it's very weird looking but yeah um my conclusion what do you want to go first or do you want me to go first um i think mine's my my conclusion uh, might not be as interesting as yours. Mine's a little too realistic. <laughs> so you want me to go? Uh, how do you think the audience will be intrigued in the end? Do you think yours is better or is mine better? I don't know. I don't know because I don't know yours. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. <laughs> All right. Um, you know what? Maybe mine's better. I'll let you go first. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my conclusion with this whole story is that Two, two guys from film school came up with a really great story. And so much so that people still to this day think that it is real. Um, they think that a lot of the accounts that they talk about are real. And people still to this day go to the woods to try to find the Blair Witch. I also think that the possibility, I don't necessarily think that the uh, facts are right as far as the name goes, 
uh, the names go with people and the dates. But I don't think that it's far-fetched to um, believe that, you know, some weird things happened in this small town. And it's not unlikely that it is uh, witch-related and could potentially be cursed. And another thing that I that I want to add to my conclusion is that for anybody out there who doesn't know what a tulpa is, the definition of a tulpa is basically if enough people believe in something, it becomes a reality. So for example, Slenderman, which was a creepypasta creation from a college student, caused two girls to attempt to murder their friend in the name of Slenderman. And people have reported seeing um, this this entity, uh, Slenderman. But it was just a story. It was made up um, Mm -hmm. not too long ago. So I believe that with this story, there's enough to intrigue people and get people's minds going and people going out there seeking it to where it could potentially, you know, cause a tulpa effect where what once wasn't real is now a reality it's in the minds like of people. It's fabricating it into existence. It's like a manifestation yes. is yes. what you're saying. Exactly. And do I think it's far-fetched that something happened there? No, I don't. Um, and I think that this story only feeds the fuel to the fire mm. for people to want to go search it. Therefore, if you believe enough, it becomes real. Like Santa Claus. Santa Claus is real. <laughs> All right. So what is your conclusion? Well, um, when I started doing some research, uh, I came across an article on the Baltimore Sun about a woman called Julia, well, not called, but by the name of Julia Fair. Um, she wasn't mentioned in any of this though, right? She wasn't. No, she wasn't. Okay. Um, she, I'm trying to see her, uh, direct correlation with the movie. What but, is her um, name? Julia Fair. So, um, she says that the entire history for the Blair Witch Project, com- complete with the yellow documents and paraphernalia, um, were completely fabricated by her for hmm. advertising the movie. So like these documents that the, the Maryland historical museum has supposedly, supposedly are fake. Now, I don't know if this is an attempt for the family of, like of Burkittsville or Blair with these supposed actual things. You know, I don't know if this is an attempt to try to cover that and officially bury it or if this is actually you know her telling the truth but uh they got a whole article on it uh on the baltimore uh sun it was released april 27th of 2000 uh she basically mentioned this right after it was released and i guess i never saw this you know on my search not even in 2017 until literally this year when I searched again and it was literally everything that I could is the only thing I could really find up front like in the top searches so it's really interesting but um, she goes on to talk about the names that they used like um, um, Ellie Kedward and um, Rustin Parr 
apparently they were in um what's the word i'm looking for um when you uh take a word and you kind of mix the letters around to create a new word so apparently right. kelly edward was inspired by the name edward kelly so you right. move the, the k over and apparently mm -hmm. edward kelly was an english renaissance occultist and self-declared spirit medium um he apparently uh you know bragged about uh the ability of being able to summon spirits and angels and um claim to possess like a secret transmuting of base metals into gold uh basically the the, the entire um i guess goal of you know the entire point of alchemy you know um as and apparently uh, he claimed to possess the the supposed philosopher's stone itself uh he basically gave himself a, a big you know big name a big title right. and um i believe he was ultimately uh, let me see how he died. I want to see, usually people like this end up getting killed for their things. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, you know, like the guy who invented our pie, you know, 3.14, yeah. like the never ending number. People couldn't wrap their heads around it. So they just killed them because they're like, that's the work <laughs> of the double. I don't understand it. So, and apparently people still do that today. <laughs> but, um, yeah. it's, it's insane. But um, yeah, they got a whole article on uh, Edward Kelly and, um, when it comes to Rustin Parr, apparently that was a play on the word, on the name uh, Gregory Rasputin, which everybody knows Rasputin, right? Yeah, I saw I saw I saw a mockumentary about Rustin Parr and Kyle Brody. Um, I didn't look at Kyle Brody to see if that name was also fabricated or not. But it I said it was a mockumentary, but I I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't see if like it was a mockumentary. And people like they weren't the real people and they were kind of you know over overacting or you know making up certain things i i don't know if they were actually real people um it's it's so hard i mean do it for yourself people go look and see if it's real you can't find anything that tells you it's not so it's hard to say that it it is or it isn't you know so you just kind of kind of take take it with a grain of salt you know mm -hmm. but remember at the end of the day all urban legends come from some truth all of them so so you think it's totally um, fake well if i take this woman's word then it kind of sums it all up but yeah. there's also the possibility that you know when it comes to these legends and the possible inspiration for the movie and how they really screwed over an entire town who's really pissed off at them right now. A very small town. Yeah, I can see how, you know... They weren't even they from were, that area. They weren't even yeah. going to originally film in Maryland. Yeah, and it, it attracted so many people to that spot. And, I mean, like, I think it's them trying to just kind of clean it up a little bit. Because I mean, the people in the town... Crap from, you know, oh, yeah, the people, people in so. it. Some of the people liked it. Some of the people didn't. I mean, yeah. I, I did hear of, like, a, a lady who was, like, selling rocks from her backyard in her store for, like, $15 <laughs> hey. to people. I'm serious. Yeah, that's how you do it, though. You know, take advantage but, of opportunity like that. <laughs> but it kind of stopped, and, and people still come. People still come there, for sure. I want a rock. We can go get a rock. Does it come yeah. with little googly eyes? 
I, I won't can travel there. that far for googly eye rock that says Blair. <laughs> or Birkinsville, any other one. Okay, everybody. Okay. I uh, I hope you enjoyed our our discussion dissecting this story. Yes, it was quite an in depth and detailed and long one. So what we read to you is sources that we found. Uh, we're not saying any of it's real. We're not saying any of it's not real. This is just what's out there for the public, and it's pr- it's a pretty interesting story. And I think if they did kind of come up with it, it's it's Very fucking fun. clever. Yeah. It's fucking clever. Take from it what um, you may. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you guys liked it, please, it would help us out a lot. Leave us a review on whichever platform you use. Uh, we will, if you give us a five-star review, we'll, we'll shout you out. Give us any kind of review, any kind of, um, criticism, whatever, you know, but if you could give us a review on any platform that you listen to us on, and you can even do it on Facebook. Uh, I have made a Instagram and a Twitter for talk about spooky. I don't even have a personal one, so I don't really know how they work, but I can help you out with that. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I made them to kind of claim the name, uh, but Maybe for future stuff, we'll kind of figure that stuff out as we go. But generally, you can find all of our stuff on Facebook. So that's where we'll post like pictures and and like up to date things as far as you know us goes. But uh, if you have any stories or anything like that, I'm gonna do it right this time. Email us an audio file or a uh, text story, and we'll read it on on the air. If you want to remain anonymous, we can do that. The email is talkaboutspooky at gmail.com. The show name at gmail.com. Gmail. Gmail. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I really, I I do appreciate everybody listening, and I hope uh, this this episode is entertaining for everybody because it was fun for for me to do. And, yeah, I really appreciate the support. And, you know, like it so you can get all the real-time updates on the things that we're doing with the podcast uh any changes or adjustments or yeah just updates in general ideas stuff like that yeah that's where you'll get like our day-to-day if we do it you know our day-to-day info information and all that stuff uh just because it's a really easy platform to use and so far we've gotten a lot of uh love off of facebook and like i said i really appreciate it from from everybody listening but yeah, that, I mean, we've got high hopes for for this for this podcast, and I think it's going to do well. I think as long as we keep coming up with topics and putting out content, people will keep listening. And I mean, yeah, hopefully everybody enjoys it. Yeah, that's uh, been tonight's episode of Talk About Spooky on the Blair Witch. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. We look forward to uh, sharing some more spooky stuff with you guys next week. As always, stay safe and talk about spooky. No part of this show can be reproduced without the permission of the host, Matt and Adam, from Talk About Spooky. Copyrights reserved.